All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Daily Faceoff Podcast comes courtesy of the Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthume and Michael Biebs Bondi. Welcome into another edition of the DFO Fantasy Podcast, presented to you by our friends at Betway. If you're going to place a bet, bet on Betway. Please play responsibly. Ontario only. It must be 19 years of age or older. I think this is the first time I've ever introduced the show and not mentioned what season or episode we're on. So this is season nine, episode 30 of the DFO Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Segan. With me, as always, we got Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Biebs Bondi. D, how's it going, bud? Doing good, man. Missed you guys last week. Um, actually, I guess I hosted Biebs up here for the All-Star Game. So missed you specifically last week, Brock. Uh, and missed our loyal listeners so very much. Happy to be back on the mic. Yeah, I was, I was honestly can't wait worried. for the intro once again. How's it going, Beeps? <laughs> Beeps, how's it going, bud? Uh, I was worried about D's mental health without a week with both of us, so that's why I decided to pop in, uh, check out his new digs up there uh, in the in the GTA area. Beautiful place, and uh, luckily, uh, you know, he hosted me. We had ourselves a night of just, uh, just playing a lot of chill, kicking people's butts, and then uh, proceeded to uh, both participate in different uh, all-star events which was great it was cool out there in toronto this weekend nice to uh nice to treat hockey kind of like a kid again and, and not work it and more just enjoy the event which was really cool so uh doing good doing good but we're back at it back to fantasy i will fully admit i checked my lineup like eight times during the all-star game that i was at so you know i'm just I, I, i'm broken in the heads but uh but yeah we're back to fantasy hockey and i'm, I'm a happy fella again so here we are yeah the the uh the NHL All-Star game was a little bit better this year. It's still kind of pretty gimmicky, but it seemed better. Like, the skills comp was better. It, I, I love that McDavid's just like, hey, this would be cool if we, like, took it seriously and, like, somebody could win a million dollars and just went out there and dominated. It's just, like, so funny. Just pocketing an extra million dollars. Doesn't ca- count against the Oilers' cap hit. It's just, like, good for you, Gunner. Yeah, it just gets a big million-dollar check. Um, yeah. No, it, it felt, honestly, like, just, I don't, just being around it, it felt like it was more... I don't know, it just felt a lot more enjoyable. And even like the game itself, it started out very slow. The classic were like, they're not really trying. But by the time we got to that final, they were, it was probably felt about 70% out there, which is, you're getting 70%. I think that's a big win for the NHL. Um, especially since we saw less than 70 from some people in the, uh, in the skills comp. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I played some draft games just for fun on the, um, all-star game day and there was a couple players that registered block shots and i was just like oh shit like did not anticipate they would even count those like mitch marner's was hilarious got the whole crowd fired up but uh, all right let's get into today's show we're going to talk about a lot actually going to cover a lot on today's show the first we're going to get to some of the trades that happened while we were away 
Um, if you aren't aware, Elias Lindholm was sent to the Vancouver Canucks. Andre Kuzmenko was a part of that deal that uh, went the other way to the Calgary Flames. And also Sean Monaghan was dealt from the Montreal Canadiens to the Winnipeg Jets. So four Canadian teams involved in trades over the last week. We're going to just quickly touch on the uh, those trades and, and how it affects each player's fantasy value and the fantasy value of those around him. Uh, so we'll start with the most prominent name on the list being Elias Lindholm going to the Vancouver Canucks, and he made an instant impact in his Canucks debut, scoring two goals on two shots, had three shot attempts, and played 21 minutes and one second time on ice. Lindholm made his Canucks debut on a line with Elias Pedersen and Ilya Mikhaev. Uh, Lindholm was on the wing. He was also in Kuzmenko's spot on the top power play unit. So, D, you were actually the one when we talked about Elias Lindholm um, in I think it was our buy or sell segment, whether or not you uh, would be interested in trying to buy low on him before he gets traded. And if he's going to become fantasy relevant again, if he does get traded and you pinpointed the Vancouver Canucks as a potential landing spot for Elias Lindholm and how, if he did go there, could end up playing with Elias Pedersen and boosting his fantasy value. And that's at least what's happened in the short term. How do you feel about Elias Lindholm in Vancouver moving forward? Uh, I feel like I should be uh, playing poker or something where I can really harness my power um, to its full benefit uh, in order to you know, see directly into the future as I clearly can. Um, but no, that was, uh, I, you know, it was a fun trade. I, I think both teams benefited uh, pretty well from it. Obviously, uh, Calgary uh, pulled the trigger on what was a pretty big haul um, in return for Lindholm and uh, the Canucks, you know, undoubtedly got better there for this season, which is the goal of that trade. So I don't think you can really argue it too far on either side. And in terms of his uh, fantasy value, I think it helps. Like we talked about it, um, how he's really kind of struggled since the top tier talent uh, left Calgary. His production hasn't been the same. Uh, it seems to really need those premier running mates with him in order to really, you know, push his production to its fullest extent. Uh, and, you know, it, it came back crashing in a, uh, pretty significant way in his first game. Uh, you know, they did get pretty uh, strongly outplayed at 5v5, just a 16% expected goals for percentage, 14% scoring chances for uh, at 5v5 for Pedersen and Lindholm. But they were playing the Hurricanes, one of the best 5v5 teams in the league. And obviously we're talking about a single game sample size. I think the points that are uh, more key to highlight the fact he played 21 minutes in his debut. So that ice time is right on par with what he was getting in Calgary. Uh, going to continue to see some heavy, heavy minutes and obviously locking up a spot on that top power play unit because Vanko going back the other way means there's really not much competition at all for that fifth spot on the power play unit. So, um, yeah, well, I, I think, you know, it can't hurt. And anyone that, you know, held, held strong with him has got to be feeling good uh, about his rest of season outlook at this point. Yeah, held strong, really worked the waiver wire quick last week because only at 77% right now. Um, I think there's some leagues where they still haven't clicked in where he went and what's happening there. Um, I, I totally agree with everything you said. Do you one thing, one person I kind of wanted to shout out out of all of this was Ilya Mikhaev yesterday, played 1758, attached to the hip of the other two um superstars that we mentioned there. That's the most he's played all year um, in one game. So that's just a little little trends that we like to look at and, and things that do stand out as something that, hey, if you need a spot start in a deep league, something like that, keep an eye on Ilya Mikhaev. He is a guy who scored 21 goals in 53 games a few years ago for Toronto. That would be good for 32 and a half goals in an 82 game season. So he's, he's, he's nothing to laugh at over there if he can uh, if he can find something going right on that line. But at the same time, they might switch different pieces out there. They got PDG coming back uh, very soon. Um, so you never really know, but just, uh, just something to keep an eye on, especially for those in very, very deep leagues. But like I said, getting your season high in ice time, the first game that you play with a line that's talented, it's a, it's a, it's a good sign for anyone. So um, just wanted to shout out, I think soup soup is what they used to call him. Something like that. I don't know. We tried. So that was one of his nicknames. Um, I, I think the, yeah. I yeah, think the one player too, that it helps quite a bit is Elias Pedersen. Um, yeah. right. Like obviously Pedersen spent a lot of the season, uh, with Mikhaev and Kuzmenko who, you know, are fine, but I think Lindholm is an upgrade there. Uh, Lindholm is somebody who likes to go to the front of the net, do some of that dirty work in, in the high danger areas. And Pedersen's a player 
who's got uh, supreme playmaking ability, 63 assists a season ago, 38 assists in 50 games so far this year. So I think that Lindholm landing with Pedersen is, is something that's really going to click. It's really going to work. And then obviously landing on that top power play unit is a boost. Yeah, like we, we said it, he's a player that I was interested in if he could move and play with somebody who's got high-end passing ability. And Elias Pedersen certainly fits that bill. Andre Kuzmenko goes the other way, and he too scored in his Calgary Flames debut. He had one goal on two shots, played 15 minutes and seven seconds, which is doesn't seem like a whole heck of a lot, but it is a pretty considerable upgrade from what he was seeing in Vancouver. On the season, he was averaging just over 40, 14 minutes and 20 seconds a night, but it had been pretty uh, low in recent games, kind of fell into the doghouse of Rick Tockett, and now lands in Calgary, where he's starting out on the top line, new look top line with Jonathan Huberdo, Igor Sharon Govich moving from the wing to center in place of Elias Patterson. Kuzmenko on the right wing on that line, also taking over for Elias Lindholm on the Flames top power play unit. So Kuzmenko really in a spot where he can succeed. We talked about it a lot. D, you mentioned it. You really never understood exactly what the Canucks were trying to do. He was clearly a player that needed to be playing up top of the lineup with talented players. And he's coming off a season where he was absolutely electric and was a player that we really liked in the preseason and the draft process. And we got him on our teams as a steal going out there, scoring 39 goals, 35 assists, 74 points. He was unbelievable. We knew the 27% shooting percentage was not going to last, but landing in a spot where he is probably going to see more minutes on a team that is still fairly talented, uh, you know, playing with Jonathan Huberto as a goal scorer can't hurt. We know Huberto hasn't exactly been the same player, but it's a lot better than playing in the bottom six of the Vancouver Canucks with Neil Zaman and uh, Sam Lafferty. So I feel pretty good about Kuzmenko moving forward. Somebody asked me today, you know, is he a must pickup? And to me in the short term, I feel good about it. Um, I, I want to see how it works out. He's not somebody that I'm going to hesitate to draw back on the waiver wire if he's kind of doing the same old thing in a week. But in the short term, I do think that Kuzmenko is worth a pickup. If you look at the Flames schedule, they got two more games this week in New Jersey and against the Islanders on Saturday. So it's, it's not like you're picking him up and not going to have any games over the weekend. Uh, the Flames do have games he can produce. But D, you said you want to see this guy in the top six. Now he's in the top six in Calgary. How do you feel about Kuzmenko? Yeah, I agree. I think he's certainly worth an audition on your fantasy team right now. Still available in almost half of the leagues. Um, and we talked about coming into this season how you know he really needed to see his role expand and, and find a way to get more shots on net if he was going to stave off some of the regression that was coming his way. He wasn't going to repeat a 27% shooting percentage. But uh, at the same time, like you're not just going to luck into a season. It's certainly very fortunate, but it's not 100% luck. It certainly speaks to some uh, top tier shooting talent, which we know he has. He's got a great shot. So uh, if I'm if I'm coaching him, I'm encouraging him to get as many shots off as possible and really up the volume because uh, you know he's going to find ways to put the puck uh, in the back of the net if you give him the opportunity. So uh, played just 16 minutes a, a night last year, so there was certainly a lot of room for him and his role to grow uh, in order to, like I said, stave off some of that regression. That obviously didn't happen in Vancouver. It went the other way. His production fell off a cliff. So hopefully. Uh, I think he's found himself in a pretty nice spot here. They're going to want to be getting as much out of him as possible. Um, you know, he's got just a year and a half left on his contract now. So even if uh, it's not someone they look at locking up long term, it could be another piece they look to flip in a year's time. And again, you're going to want to get as much production out of him and make him as attractive as a piece as possible. So, uh, yeah, really, really excited about Kuzmenko going forward. I, I, I'm with you. I, you know, you got to give him maybe a two to three week audition. Uh, see how it holds up. Hopefully, you can build on the 15 minutes of ice um, that he had last time, or had last time out, and uh, see where it goes. I already mentioned how they got two games remaining this week, and if you look ahead to next week, they've got three more games, and with a pretty favorable schedule, they finish off a road trip against the Rangers on Monday, but then they have home games against the Sharks and the Red Wings, two teams that have certainly given up their fair share of goals. So it might be a little, uh, a nice little audition week for Andre Kuzmenko. Do you have anything to add? on Kuzmenko Beavs before we move to Sean Monaghan. I don't, but I'm going to follow a similar pattern as last time. I want to shout out someone playing alongside him. You kind of mentioned it, Jonathan Huberto. He's still at 39%, had a goal and two assists last night, three shots on net, two power play points is kind of big here. And 
what I like about that is Calgary obviously struggling to score all year. And if Kuzmenko is going to get points, they're going to have to come through the power play. And that's going to have to have to happen with Hubro as well, helping kind of fuel that fire. So it was great to see, you know, that, that, that connection click early. And if that's something that can work, like I mentioned, that'll only help Kuzmenko keep his must have now status, but Huberto himself can kind of slide back into a fantasy relevant status. The three shots on goal was a great sign. It shows that, you know, they're going to, it's, it's not just Kuzmenko being shot first options there. If it can, if Kuzmenko can also open up Hubero, that can help him as well. Um, so for both of them, I think this could be very big. I'm almost, uh, just as interested in Hubero at this point, maybe not as much as Kuzmenko, but but if if if, if Kuzmenko was taken in my league and I have to settle for Hubero, I don't think it's a terrible follow up option right now. They're kind of in the same spot, same position, and you might as well try it out. Hubero's given us a hundred points before. I mean, we've said it a lot this year, just as he's kind of crumbled. But uh, but he's he's also a guy with a chip on his shoulder. He's someone who I'm sure took the All Star break to kind of reassess the first fifty whatever games and probably beat himself up quite hard. So he wants to prove he's got a lot left in him. This year is not a total blow up of a year. So I could see Huberto taking this as a second chance and he's been given one as well on first power play and first line. So um, I, uh, I like him there at 39%. Uh, I, I think a lot of people are sleeping on that one. You know, it's interesting because throughout his time in Vancouver, um, Kuzmenko was always kind of talked about for just being a beacon of positivity was, you know, even amid healthy scratches and stuff, he was a very, very um, outgoing and positive guy. And maybe that more than just the actual hockey talent will rub off on Jonathan Huberto's seemingly negative attitude in Calgary and have just as big of an effect as the actual hockey. Um, Sean Monaghan is at 30% owned. And like I said, he goes from Montreal to Winnipeg. This is kind of an interesting move for Monaghan because on one hand, he was playing 18 and a half minutes a night in Montreal, primarily with pretty poor talent, where now he's in Winnipeg where the ice time probably won't be as high, but he's going to be playing with much better players. Initially, he's playing with Nikolai Ehlers and Cole Perfetti, which seems like a great spot for Sean Monaghan. He's also on the top power play unit in the similar bumper position as he was playing in Montreal and has throughout his career and has had a lot of success on the power play so far this season. 10 of his 22 assists have come on the power play and six of his 11 goals have come, uh, sorry, six of his 13 goals have come on the power play. So nearly half of his production has come with the man advantage. Certainly somebody that should help the Jets in that area. And this is a talented Jets top unit, right? We're talking Gabe Velarde, Mark Shifley, uh, Kyle Connor, Josh Morrissey, and now Monaghan. You would imagine that he's still going to be able to produce. So I'm not sure that this completely unlocks Sean Monaghan. But I do think at the very least, this is probably at least a lateral move for his fantasy value. And if he does start to play a little bit more, like we've only seen 15 and a half minutes in this first game, I don't think that there's really much of a, a time on ice ceiling there. Like we've seen Ehlers kind of be capped throughout his career. Adam Lowry's line commands a lot of minutes. So I am a little concerned about the ice time, but I also think he's worth a tryout option right now because if if Perfetti, Ehlers, and Monaghan clicks and that top power play unit sees a boost with Monaghan, he really could be a nice waiver wire pickup in the short term. Beebs, what do you think about uh, Monty? I think for one, it's beautiful that we get to see like two trades and everyone in it kind of gains fantasy value um us as fantasy guys we love to see that thank you because sean monahan especially compared to elias lindholm was one where he could have definitely gotten kind of lost in another team as you mentioned played way less minutes but seeing that parallel move as you mentioned, it, could, it it's a parallel move with a little bit of a higher ceiling now um, with that power play one. He had 23 points out in Montreal or sorry, out um, in Calgary a few years ago when he was cooking um, back when he was a force on the power play. So he's proven that he can he can click, can play PP one and does deserve to be up there. The 35 points in 49 games is basically like bottom of your roster stuff anyways. So it's good to take a chance on a guy like this who might click and with a new system do that much better. Um, we know, you know, um, old still old school system out there. So I didn't, that was rolling really well. So I didn't expect him to come in and play 20 minutes um, as much as maybe Lindholm did where Lindholm also played a, you know, a winger role as much and Monaghan was right up the middle. Um, so I like this trade a lot for the team i think it obviously showed brings quite a bit of depth but as well for monahan it pushes lowry back too um which allows lowry to kind of stay on on line ones for the other team and then monahan they usually line up against either their second or third lines on uh 
against other teams and that should help him as we go forward here but it's just that pp1 that that excites me the most um i think his 30 percent should be somewhere around 50 percent um owned but overall it's just it's good to see someone's value go up and i think people are also kind of not quite caught up to what's going on here but it should be uh should be good times for sean monahan because montreal was like 28th in the nhl in scoring so you know winnipeg's just a wee bit better leave it do you, you have anything to add on monahan uh, I, I think I'm maybe pumping the brakes a little bit. I don't think I'm quite as excited simply because we just haven't seen that second line get a lot of usage all season long. Like Cole Perfetti has been limited to 14 and a half minutes a night. Ehlers is, uh, closer to 16 and a half, but obviously uh, a big part of him being a little bit higher up is the extra ice time he was getting while Kyle Connor was out of the lineup. Uh, I don't feel as good about him locking down that spot on the top power play unit Monahan. I think there's some um, really um, suitable options on the second unit to move up, and, and namely uh, Perfetti and Ehlers. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think he's kind of really locked into that second line role. And, and to your point about the Adam Lowry line and how much ice they get, Brock, I just don't know if he's going to get the minutes to really um, to really have that that long term upside. So, to me, he, he I agree. It's kind of a lateral move. He he kind of continues to be more just on my streaming radar. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to drop someone that I feel good about the rest of season outlook just uh, in order to make room for Monaghan. Uh, yeah, I know that Wyatt I'll... Johnston is like the same own percentage. I'm not going to drop him. I don't think you are either for Monaghan. I think that's a prime example. Sorry. DJ. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of guys that I would I would certainly hold on to uh, that I just think have a more solidified role and, and more upside than than Monaghan. Again, he's someone that I'm, I'm really just looking to more in a, a streaming sense when the schedule lines up, right? I, but I do love the move for the Jets. I, I think it really deepens out that lineup but uh yeah maybe not quite as excited about what he might be able to offer from a fantasy perspective for the rest of the season it's pretty exciting like we said a lot of canadian teams making deals there and this you know is some of the deepest canadian teams we've seen in years we obviously had the edmonton oilers go on an outrageous 16 game winning streak the jets have been an absolute defensive juggernaut adding monahan certainly going to help provide some offensive punch the canucks have been kind of riding that pdo train all year and, and are solidifying themselves the maple leafs out east you know still kind of Tons of talent on that team. Can they put it all together? We shall see. But there's a lot of Canadian uh, talent right now that has been, you know, giving the the country an actual chance of seeing a Stanley Cup coming uh, north of the border for the first time in an extremely long time. Um, okay, before we move to the second half of the show, we're just going to quickly head to the Betway bet of the day. We're going to be looking to, at tomorrow's uh, Thursday slate. I believe there's seven games and a couple of the games that I like first um, the Canucks, we're talking about them right now. Might as well stay with them. I like the Canucks plus 115 on Betway going into Boston. I've talked about it quite a bit. I, I, I think that the Boston Bruins are a bit of a fugazi. Um, and I think the Canucks are, are pretty legitimate. And at plus 115, basically calling it a, a toss-up with home ice advantage, obviously going to the Bruins. So uh, I think the Canucks are the better team. And I like the Canucks on the road. Plus 115. The other game, I, I honestly did not plan this, but uh, I really like the Winnipeg Jets tomorrow as well going into Philadelphia. The Flyers have obviously played extremely well this year and, and really punched above uh, their weight class, but I do think that they um, are just not in the same tier as the Winnipeg Jets. The Jets play absolutely tremendous defense. And the one thing that I guess you could knock the, the Jets for is not being great on special teams. Their penalty kill is not very good, but that shouldn't be an issue against the Flyers team who has been awful on the power play all year. So the Jets should dominate that game at 5v5. And as long as Hellebuck gets the start, they have an absolutely huge advantage between the pipes. And I like them on the road, minus 150 in Philadelphia. So those are my two Betway bets of the day. We're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we are going to take a look ahead at the rest of season schedule and really break down which teams have the most favorable fantasy hockey schedules and give you some names that you should be trying to target ahead of the fantasy hockey trade deadline to acquire to really strengthen your roster for the playoff push and the playoff championship run. So enjoy this quick break. We'll see you guys back here in a few seconds. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 9, Episode 30 of the DFO Fantasy Podcast, brought to you by Betway. Uh, we're going to get right into it. Uh, Brock has uh, put together uh, some strength of schedule, looking at the rest of the fantasy regular season, and then also going into the playoffs, talking about which teams uh, have a few more games left to play than others, which ones maybe fall on some lighter nights, and which ones seem to have some favorable matchups down the stretch. So, Brock... I'll, I'll let you kick it off. You put in all the legwork here. Uh, why don't you tell the people what we're looking at? Yeah, so I, I tweeted this out at Brock underscore Segan on X or Twitter, whatever it is, and retweeted it from the DFO Fantasy Podcast Twitter so you can find it there. Um, but I broke it down by regular season, playoffs, and then both because not every team is going to be in the same situation. Some teams might be looking to target – uh, players that have just a really strong schedule to finish the regular season because they need that added push to get to the, just even get to the playoffs. There might be other teams that don't really need, you know, they're sitting in first place. They're really looking for the guys with the best schedule in the playoffs. So we broke it down so that you can kind of pick and choose. We're going to focus on, because we can't talk about 900 players, but we're going to focus on the, on the, on four teams that have the best combined regular season, fantasy regular season and playoff schedule. So, uh, all these numbers start with this upcoming Monday. So the start of week 18, the regular season through week 23, and then the playoffs are week 24, 25, and 26. So we've outlined who has the most games, who has the easiest strength of schedule, and we will talk about uh, who our favorite trade targets are from those teams to help you try to make some moves ahead of the fantasy hockey trade deadline. Uh, keep in mind that this strength of schedule is only taking in consideration the opponent's defensive ability so we're only talking about skaters strength of schedule the goalie strength of schedule will be something entirely different we will talk about that uh, probably next week but for now we're only focusing on skaters and how bad defensively their opponents are so uh, we will also mention just some of the teams with the worst strength of schedule uh, and and you can use that to try to figure out which guys you want to move. You might be moving a player from the team with the worst strength of schedule, which is the Boston Bruins, and it's not close. They have by far the toughest schedule moving forward. Um, it might help you make those moves and, and figure out which players are the ones you want to trade and which players you want to trade for. So there's your long-winded answer. Here are the here is the strength of schedule and the teams that we're really going to focus on. The number one team. Overall, is the Ottawa Senators. They have the most games remaining, the 34 games. So they have the best strength of schedule. Their average opponent rating is up there as one of the highest. But really what's fueling them is just how many games left they have. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers and Pittsburgh Penguins each have 33 games remaining, as uh, which is one less than the Ottawa Senators, and have the second and third ranked schedule. The fourth easiest schedule is actually the San Jose Sharks, but we're going to ignore them because I don't think you want to be relying on the San Jose Sharks too much in the fantasy hockey playoffs. 
They have a much easier schedule than some of those teams above them, but they still only have 31 games. The fourth team that we're going to focus on is the LA Kings. They also have 33 games and a nice schedule moving forward. So we're going to focus on the Senators, the Oilers, the Penguins, and the LA Kings um, as trade targets. So what we're going to do is talk about one player that we each like targeting you know, with the actual acquisition cost in mind. Obviously, certain players are going to cost more in a trade than others, but with the acquisition cost in mind, we're going to talk about which player we are most interested in targeting from each one of these teams. And then also just mention quickly which one of these teams have players that are available on the waiver wire that you might want to consider picking up. So let's start with the Ottawa Senators. Beebs, I know you are fired up to talk about one of the Sens players to target via trade. Who is it and why? Uh, might surprise some people because this guy's kind of had an off year by many people's standards, but he's also really hasn't been there by most standards because he's only played 25 games. Talking about Thomas Chabot, currently 63% owned. Again, 25 games played, has 15 points, only 15 points in those 25 games. One thing that's bode well for Chabot is he's got four points in his last four games while playing 27-44 two games ago and wait for it. 30-43 the other night in Detroit, although Jake Sanderson did get hurt. Something to keep an eye on as well as we look into Chabot and his status. Um, it's still very, very encouraging to see the 27-44 the game before. It shows that Jacques Martin is kind of a bit more lenient to just lean on Chabot than maybe we saw earlier in the season, or maybe that he's just kind of back to full health. This is someone who... As we've talked about in previous episodes, D is really struggling this year defense as a position. Not D on the show. He's on absolute fire. Um, but uh, D itself in the NHL are the exact opposite. It's hard to find a guy, maybe a third D on a lot of teams. I know personally I'm struggling at the moment. But Chabot was some guy who stood out. As someone who can score a lot from the back end, we saw 11 goals last year in 68 games. That'd be about a 14-goal pace across 82 um, while getting 41 points. It's just someone that on this roster where they're really top heavy and a lot of the other guys, I think you'd have to pay a prime prime ticket for. Um, I just think this is maybe someone that you wouldn't have to give up your whole roster and you can maybe snake them off someone who isn't quite imp too impressed with their, uh, their Ottawa guys. But I also, uh, I also really like the guy that you guys uh, are going to mention. So I'll let you guys pop off about, uh, about uh, whatever fella you're looking into on Ottawa because we talked about it before and oof, I want to make some trades for him. So go crazy, fellas. You want to take it away, D? I talked a lot there, so go ahead. All right. I, I think Tim Stutzel is worth a kick of the tires. I, you know, he's been, I think, a little bit disappointed in terms of his raw production and, and where he was going. I was just looking and pulling up his ADP from the start of the season and uh, it was right around the start of the second round with an ADP of, uh, of 29. So, uh, certainly I think people were hoping that his production would fall closer in line to the 90 points he put up in 78 games last year, maybe even grow on that. The fact that he's going into his age 22, uh, year old season, uh, he is, however, just a point per game, you know, obviously it hasn't been too disappointing or too damning, but like I said, I, I think, um, anyone who drafted him and spent that kind of draft capital on him coming into the season was certainly hoping for more. Uh, and, you know, we're halfway or more than halfway through the season at this point. So I think you can really try to make a push uh, and, and see exactly what it might take uh, to get Stutzel off of whoever has him in your league. Uh, 47 points. The key thing that, uh, you know, has been really disappointing. I think he really can build on the rest of the season, just 11 goals in those 47 games, despite the, the fact that he's fired 130 shots on goal. He's shooting just eight and a half percent this season. He's a career 13 percent shooter shot 17.1 percent last season so we know that he can definitely build off that um and, and see that improve i'd expect that to fall closer in line with his career average the rest of the season which should help him you know produce comfortably above a point per game and so i think if you can you know maybe try to flip someone who has been around a point per game this season has similar production on the year uh maybe a little bit more goal scoring upside to date um that i i think you really might be able to get stutzel and you know he, he's an attractive name he's a really young player on on, on a canadian team uh which at least for our Canadian listeners, might make him a little bit tougher to pry off some of your league members. But uh, I, I just think we're at a point, and, you know, especially with where he's at in his career, like this might, his fantasy value might not ever be lower than this. Like he's 22 years old. He's still only getting better. And he's been a little bit unfortunate, like I said, to shoot just eight and a half percent on the season. So uh, Biebs loves to talk about how great he's been in the second half in each of the last two seasons. And that would not shock me just, you know, based off how he's struggled to date. Uh, if that's the story of his season 
uh, again this year. Hopefully that's not the case with him every year. It'd be great if he was just on fire the entire season because I, I do think he's got that type of talent. Um, and I think he should be easily returning on that, you know, uh, late second, early third round uh, draft value that he he offered in the preseason. So, yeah, he's, he's a guy that I'm interested in. Like I said, uh, not just this season, but in general, moving forward, uh, dynasty keeper leagues, I, I don't know if his fantasy value will ever be lower from this point forward. So he's a guy that I'm at least can kick the tires on. Yeah, I, I'm. he's the one that I'm interested in the most, too, if I'm an owner. Uh, unfortunately for me, I actually drafted him in pretty much every single one of my leagues. So I am that owner that people are probably going to be targeting and hoping that he's having a bigger second half. But to, just to that point, um, last year in his final 32 games, so from February 11th onward, he had 41 points in his final 32 games. If you take a look at where that ranks, that was tied for 12th with Nikita Kucherov, David Pasternak, and Braden Point uh, from that point forward last year. So really one of the best players. He was with the elite of the elite. The only other name that really stands out on that list of kind of just somebody that clearly moved up a tier in the second half of the season, if you guys recall, was Clayton Keller. Just went absolutely nuclear over that stretch. But Stutzler was one of those guys that really elevated his game, and it, it led to his his draft stock being where it was this preseason. So hopefully he can kind of channel that again and really find himself in the elite, elite tier here in the second half of the season. And like you said, D, the shot volume is nearly identical to what we saw a season ago, maybe just a touch lower. He scored 31 or 39 goals, excuse me. You know, obviously 17.1% shooter is, is probably not attainable this year, but it just goes to show how much goal scoring upside there is. If he just starts to get back to that 12, 13% we saw from him early in his career, 8.5% just not getting it done. Been pretty unfortunate so far this year. Super, super talented player. Um, just a couple of names on the waiver wire from the Senators. Josh Norris, 24% owned. He currently has 24 points in 40 games this season. Um, by all accounts, the underlying metrics are quite uh, you know sustainable. 12% shooter, uh, 9% on ice shooting percentage. So somebody that, that definitely can maintain what he's doing thus far and probably take it a step further. Averaging 18 and a half minutes a night playing alongside some of the best that the Ottawa centers have to offer. The other name is Shane Pinto, 10% owned. He's been really good since coming back uh, from his gambling suspension, four points in six games, 16 shots in six games is what you really like to see. And he's played almost uh, 17 minutes a night. So he's been solid since coming back. Really like what we've seen from him thus far. And I think he's somebody that can provide a boost on the waiver wire as well. Moving on, we've got the Edmonton Oilers. Obviously, this is a team that is very top-heavy with the likes of Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisel, Zach Hyman. I think that it will probably be fairly difficult uh, to acquire any of those names. That being said, we did just see in one of our leagues of record, uh, Zach Hyman was just traded, so it's certainly not out of the For question. the second to- time. Yes, it's certainly not out of the question that uh, somebody like him could be acquired. I do think that it would probably be a little bit more difficult to uh, pry you know, Leon Dreisaitl or Connor McDavid away from his owners. But uh, what name Beebs sticks out to you on this Edmonton Oilers team? I will say that to get Zach Hyman, that person had to trade their one Brady TK. So um, I guess that just goes to show kind of the value that uh, a plus 30 year old 30 goal scorer brings. Um, and, and and that's in a keeper league too. So that was pretty, pretty wild. But no more stalling. I uh, I like to focus on Nuge, and uh, I like to actually shout out a listener of the show who reached out to me this week um, for kind of suggesting this because their their team was actually so stacked that they're like, "Do I drop Nuge?" And uh, and no, I don't think you should be anywhere close to dropping Nuge, no matter the size of your league. Um, but realistically, Nuge Nuge is kind of underperformed this year, and there's a lot of people who expected a lot of what we saw last year from Nuge, who just haven't got it yet this year, and especially in the goal production area, only 12 goals in 46 games that could scare some people. If you can maybe bring over someone who, uh, who has a little bit more, maybe has closer to 20 tucks um, and you could maybe convince someone to slide new away. I think new just still clearly capable of over a point per game. He's on that top power play. Uh, I don't, it's kind of wild. Like we haven't, seen the best of Connor mcdavid this year as far as point production goes like last year he was a he was a buck 40 guy um and and this year we haven't but uh if he goes back anywhere close to that for the last what do they got here 36 games or 38 games that they have well then who goes along for the ride everyone on that power play and i think you kind of want to have a piece of nugent hopkins it's not going to be worse than his 44 and 46 um but it is going to take 
probably a decent ticket to get him. But as mentioned, try to trade someone who's been hot this year, scored some goals early in the first half. Um, yeah, I even saw Frank Petrano get dropped in the league. If you could pair him with something else, you might be able to get a uh, new job with someone. But that's obviously me just being super wishful. But uh, but then again, you know, all-star votes and all-star names sell. So move move your boys. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. Do you guys have any uh, any other people that stand out there? It's really hard. Like you mentioned, you know, Evan. This is a tough team to target. Yeah. Yeah. I think Nugent Hopkins would be my answer as well. I, I think for... I think the main reason would be just that he, the draft cost was so high for him this year. I ended up with no Nugent Hopkins. I was very skeptical of the draft cost. Um, and I think I've been proven right, but he still hasn't been terrible. Um, he still plays with McDavid and Hyman, who like that trio has been the best line in the entire NHL this year. He's still on that top power play unit. So things could start bouncing his way here. We've really seen this Edmonton Oilers team play significantly better uh, in the last few months. And I, I think what stands out is obviously the 16% on a shooting percentage from a season ago is really what bolstered his production. Um, it's at 13.6% so far this season, which is much more normal. But with as much talent as that line has and that top power play unit has, who's to say that he can't rattle off a 16% on a shooting percentage, you know, from here on out. It, it's certainly possible Easily. with that talent. And in his last uh, two, sorry, yeah, last two months, he has 26 points in his last 24 games. It's looked a little bit better. Um, and, and I do think that that is a, you know, a, a team and a line that can just get scorching hot uh, down the stretch. And he could certainly return uh, much better production than what we've seen from him. Uh, in the early goings of the season. Um, I, I do think, do, do you agree on Nugent Hopkins or do you have anybody to add quickly? If not, I, I have somebody else just to quickly touch on. Uh, well, obviously I think Evander Kane's a much cheaper acquisition mm -hmm. cost. Uh, I want to throw a name out going back the other way um, that I think you can maybe try to um, use. And I, I probably draw Nuge plus and, and probably get Iman straight up. And that's Brock Besser. The Canucks have just 29 games remaining this season. Um, five less than the Senators. So even like Besser for Stutzel, like I, I, I would go head on and make that trade offer straight up and, and see what happens. They, you know, they might, they might uh, turn it back. Besser is shooting 22%, but he, he's having a more productive season than Timmy Stutzel. And um, I, I think him and Zach Hyman both have 30 goals. I feel a lot better about Zach Hyman's production moving forward, especially considering the fact that he's got four more games left on the calendar as well. So I, I don't think he'll be, kicking yourself at all and if, if Besser you know cools down at all then you know you might you might be looking at a, a big big win so he's someone I mentioned uh you know or we've been talking about probably all year as, as a sell high um he's you know continuing to put the puck in the back of the net but I, I think just in terms of how high his value's been some of those targets that we've talked about it you'd certainly be happy uh if you were able to get those trigger pulled and yeah, that's another guy that I think uh, I, I'd be floating around for these names. And like I said, I think you get Nuge Plus. Evander Kane's probably, a, again, jumping away from Besser now, Evander Kane's probably a much more cost-effective piece that you could look if you're just looking to get in uh, onto this red-hot scorching Oilers offense that we don't expect to slow down anytime soon. Uh, I've seen him hit the waiver wire in a lot of non-banger leagues a few weeks back, so I don't think it would take a whole lot to pry Evander Kane off an owner that's maybe not uh as in tune with how friendly their schedule is the rest of the way so i think kane is probably the cheap way to buy into this team right now uh, i also like warren fogel a lot i'm sure we'll be talking about him a lot in the streamer segments but he's been firing the puck on net uh at a pretty nice rate and uh, i think he's really locked into the hip of dry title at 5v5 so obviously you'd much rather a piece of that mcdavid line but like i said that's not going to come cheap fogel's the guy that you can pick up off the wire uh, and I think anytime the schedule lines up, I'm going to be looking to squeeze Warren Fogel in my lineup because, you know, that exposure to Leon Dreisaitl, even Evander Kane, uh, is going to continue to, to pay some pretty nice dividends, I think. Yeah, we've seen a lot that, that Leon Dreisaitl line struggle quite a bit at 5v5 in the past, but uh, Warren Fogel and Evander Kane have kind of solidified that second line. The underlying metrics have certainly improved a lot recently. So uh, Kane was the other name I was certainly going to mention. I, I do think that that line is going to continue to be pretty productive and, uh, and he's going to have a decent finish to the season. And Warren Fogel, like you said, the shot volume has just been absolutely outstanding for him. And if you take a look back to right around Christmas, 15 points in his last 16 games. So he has been uh, a great piece in that middle six, and he is still just 11% owned. 
you know, obviously that top power play unit is really where a lot of the, the, the hay is made in, in Edmonton, but you know, obviously playing with Leon Dreisaitl at 5v5 will have its benefits as well. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, similar to the Edmonton Oilers and the fact that a lot of their top names are going to be a little bit more difficult to acquire, but they have a tremendous finishing schedule to the season. And, you know, you've got guys like Sidney Crosby who are having outstanding seasons. Jake Gensel obviously having a great year. I guess the only concern about him would be that he maybe gets traded and uh, his sudden, his his streaming or his schedule moving forward isn't quite as good as what uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins have. But like, I do think guys like Evgeny Malkin, Eric Carlson, and Chris Letang are viable trade targets at the moment. Um, and then you've got guys on the waiver wire. I mean, Brian Rust playing on the top line with Sidney Crosby, certainly somebody I want to pick up. Riley Smith just returned, has had a pretty disappointing year, just 20 points in 41 games, but he's back on the top power play unit. Ricard Raquel has bounced around from the first and third line when he's on that top line, certainly somebody you want in your lineup. When he's on the third line, certainly somebody you want on the waiver wire. But I, I love Rust, and I think Riley Smith's okay while he's on that top power play unit. So they have some waiver wire options, but uh, Beeps, which one of the premier talents would you be trying to acquire in a trade? Premier talent. I was actually going to go rust. I, I thought I was going to fool some people. So I like that suggestion there. Hmm. Premier talents though. I think you could get away with snaking out Malkin as, as the things go here. I just think that the Gensel and Crosby tickets a little too heavy right now. Um, I mean, Crosby can get a, a, a fortune uh, just, just off the name. And, oh, my God, it's Crosby. So let's go Malkin. I think people have started to say that, hey, we're seeing age, yada, yada, yada. But realistically, we, we really haven't from Malkin. He's got 40 points in 47 games. I guess it's a bit of a regression compared to his, his usual point per game. But he's still getting the shots on net, 126 this year, on pace to get just below 200. If you can pick that up a little bit, this power play can take a step forward. Um, I mean, we, we, we saw them go a whole month of the season without a power play goal. So that means that no one gets a power play point. So therefore, everyone's power play totals on the team have kind of struggled. So uh, if, if, they, if you can improve things out in Pittsburgh, which we have seen in the last few months, which they should happen with all this talent, um, then Malkin should be one who absolutely gets helped out there. And he's someone who at 89%, it shows that he is even out there in some of the uh, the shallow, shallow leagues. So I think you can make a deal for him. Um, so Malkin would be my call here. I just expect him to, if this train's going to chug, they need that second line chugging too. And, uh, and I think that, like I said, this power play is going to get, continue to get better. So, uh, yeah, Malkin, it's a, I don't know. It's a tough one though. Cause much like Edmonton, they are very stacked, but D I hope I didn't take your guy. Um, cause you know, I feel bad. About it. No, I'm good. I, I, I like Malkin too. I, I agree. I think the cost point makes a lot of sense. Um, it, it compared to the other two. I mean, if I could get Crosby or Gensel, I, I would love to, obviously. And uh, again, I do think, especially over the last couple of months, that maybe uh, people who invested that second round pick on Sidney Crosby are maybe souring on, on that decision a little bit. So again, maybe a guy that I look to throw out Brock Besser for. And uh, I'm sorry, I can't come up with, with better uh, or more than one name at this point, but I just think Besser fits this bill so perfectly in terms of um, not having a great rest of season schedule and, and probably due for some regression down the stretch and i just think you could really solidify your four um with moving him from for a guy like crosby or gensel and and really just cash out at this point right like this is a guy that if you did draft him you got him at the very back of your draft maybe you picked him up off free agency even and, and you're uh going after some guys that were going in the second and third round so definitely um someone that i'm i'm, I'm looking to pump for again and i, I just think it, it makes a lot of sense here again uh but no i agree with everything else you guys said i think all those rust smith raquel um, Smith and Raquel more so when, you know, I think the schedule lines up and because uh, I can't really imagine starting them on like a 12 game slate, but uh, Russ probably has a little bit more of a say in that regard. So Russ is a guy that I'm maybe looking to make room for on my roster. Smith and Raquel more solid streaming options when they're getting the usage we want and, and the schedule lines up. I think the one guy that stands out to me, if you need help on the blue line is Eric Carlson, uh, especially right now if it's, and, and people that use daily face off. You go over to their line page, he's currently on the second power play unit, and he has one goal in his last 24 games. The assist production has still been there, but one goal in 24 games. Sorry, it's worse than that. One goal in 27 games. Uh, dating back, he has not scored. The, he scored one goal, and then the last time he scored before that was November 25th. It's been a while. 
Uh, he is shooting 1.7% over that time. Obviously a guy that shot much better throughout his career, but um, I, I do think it's probably only a matter of time before, you know, Eric Carlson is back on your top power play unit and the shot volume, uh, or sorry, the shooting percentage 6.3%, you know, it can certainly bump up, especially what he's done recently. The on ice shooting percentage is somehow lower than what it was when he was with the sharks last year. You'd expect that that power play figures things out. He'll be better down the stretch. So, um, we talked about it. We weren't huge fans of Eric Carlson coming into the season. We didn't like the draft cost. Uh, we liked the player. The draft cost was a little bit too high. And I think now, like Nugent Hopkins, I didn't like his draft cost coming into the season. But if I could add him for the second half of the season on the cheap, I want that. Same thing goes with Eric Carlson. I do think he could have a strong second half of the year. It, like you said, Beebs, if that power play does figure it out. And, you know, they only have so many runs left. And if they decide not to trade Jake Gensel, this is still a team that's got enough firepower to be pretty solid. Uh, down the stretch. So Eric Carlson would be the guy that I would look to target on the cheap at the moment. The last of the four teams is the LA Kings, and they seem to be a little bit more ripe for the picking uh, at the moment. The one name that stands out to me still available on the waiver wire is Quinton Byfield. I think Quinton Byfield has really taken a, a step forward in his game this year. He has looked tremendous, and he continues to play on the top line with Anze Kopitar and Adrian Kempe. He's been on the top power play unit. The production has remained solid. He's currently riding a four-game point streak, and he has, uh, since December 23rd, 12 points in his last 17 games. He's been quite solid, and if this team starts to figure things out again in the second half of the season, I like Byfield off the waiver wire, currently sitting at 39% owned. But, you know, Phil Deneau, I, I still don't know if Phil Deneau is a long-term option on the waiver wire, but he's certainly always in streaming consideration. And another name to throw out there is Victor Arvidsson. Has not played this season, 38% owned, but Arvidsson's return is coming very, very soon. Or not return, but debut coming very soon. Obviously a guy that I've liked and talked about a shitload over the years, 26 goals, 59 points a season to go. And depending on where he fits into that lineup, I do think uh, will have a big uh, impact. And it, it could be with Pierre-Luc Dubois, and it could be kind of the player that maybe needs to, that Pierre-Luc Dubois needs to get his season going. He's also 37% on. So I think there's a lot of waiver wire options on this Kings team that can move moving forward can be pretty solid. Outside of that, they don't really have a buy low option because they've all played pretty well, right? Like Adrian Kempe's had another great season. Fiala's had another great season. Uh, Kopitar, Trevor Moore obviously would be buying him at an all-time high. I think the one name would probably be Kevin Fiala. Uh, only 13 goals to date. I think that maybe he's the guy that you can get for a little bit cheaper than maybe you would have at the start of the season. He, you know, his shoots, shoots usually around 12, 13%. He's only at 10% this year. So there is room for that goal total to grow here in the second half. And that is a, a line with know and more where they have the puck all the time. And I, I do think that Fiala is going to continue to be wildly productive here in the second half. Uh, the power play production is still kind of not as good as you would usually expect it to be when he's playing as much on the top power play unit as he has. But Fiala would be the one guy that I would be trying to target from the Kings, and then I really like some of their waiver wire options. Uh, Beebs, we started with you every single time, so let's switch gears, give D a chance to talk about he, who he would target from the LA Kings. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it's more of a, a waiver wire thing here. Obviously, Fiala is probably the most uh, enticing name, but Byfield, even even if I got to move like a, a pretty cheap piece, I, I think Byfield set up to enjoy a pretty nice uh, second half to, to his campaign here. Um, but yeah, I think I'm maybe not as interested in, in some of these Kings. They just don't play as high event uh, of hockey. And I've, I've always liked Adrian Kempe, though, and uh, his shot volume. He's probably even due for a little bit of positive regression on that shooting percentage. I think Kempe and Fiala... Uh, I think are, are fine targets. Otherwise, I'm probably looking at the waiver wire. Uh, if you're in a deeper league or just have you know a, a deeper bench, I, I still still believe in PLD. I think obviously he didn't get off to the best start and he's having a hard time uh, winning McClellan over. But uh, I think more than anything, he's kind of been a victim. Of well, McClellan was fired and... too, right? So now they've got a new coaching Perfect. staff coming in. And it's like that could be the uh, fresh start that he needs to really take off here in the second half. And that's, I guess, one concern that you could have about some of these guys, right? Like is Byfield, is Deneau, are these guys going to get the same new usage on the, the new coaching staff? So it is probably a bit of a wait and see approach, but they've been pretty good to date. I wouldn't imagine you'd have to change too much, maybe just a different voice because of how good this team is. But PLD, to your point, with a new coaching staff could be exactly what he needed. Yeah, I just think he needs more ice time, right? And I think he's been a little bit, you know, like I said, he hasn't got off, didn't get off to the best start by any means, but I think more than anything, he's kind of been a victim 
to the usage he's got to date. So he's another guy that if I have the room and it's tricky at this time of year, but um, I think a deeper league, like I said, if you got a deeper bench in your league, then uh, I'd be interested in making room for PLD and at the very least keeping him on my watch list and not hesitating to uh, make room for him on my roster if he starts to get more ice time. But a couple more names here that I just want to throw out as potential sell highs because it, it's tough when we're just kind of looking at one side of a deal. Um, but you already mentioned Brad Martian, uh, Brock, but I, I think that's a great call. Um, Bruins just 30 games left in the schedule. And, and obviously by your metrics have, uh, the worst schedule moving forward rest of the season. He's shooting 18% on the season, 47 points in 50 games. The Dallas stars also only 30 games left. I think Rupe hints probably due for some negative aggression. He's got 22 goals in 48 games, shooting 19.8%. Uh, and then, this is a harder one to sell people on, but Sam Reinhart, man, shooting 27.6%, 62 points in 50 games. Like I, I I don't know if there'll be a better time to sell on Sam Reinhart. And with the names that you could get back, given his production this season, it's it's hard to imagine being overly disappointed uh, in selling on, on Sam Reinhart right now. And again, the Panthers just 30 points, or sorry, excuse me, 30 games remaining on the schedule. So uh, like Zach Hyman plus, you know, Nuge and maybe another premier piece for Sam Reinhardt like you could really ask the world um for Sam Reinhardt right now and I, I think it's you know it's, it's a tough move to make but sometimes those are the type of moves that you need to make in order to uh, give yourself the best possible chance at winning a championship and it might be time to thank Sam Reinhardt for his contributions I imagine if he took him you know it's a great return on where he was going in drafts and you're probably sitting pretty uh, in your league right now and and you might just want to consider setting yourself up nice for the playoff run and, and get someone in who's just going to have a few more games down the stretch and uh, isn't necessarily due for that uh, negative regression coming his way because it's just hard to imagine Sam Reinhardt finishing anywhere near 27% shooting percentage at the end of the year. So, uh, yeah, it's not an easy call. Uh, he's been outstanding this season, but I, I think you could really ask for a King's ransom for Sam Reinhardt right now, and it's someone that I think you've got to – do your due diligence on and just test the trade or test the waters, see what the trade market is right now in your league. But yeah, Reinhardt, Rupa Hintz, Brad Marchand, Brock Besser, I think are four great sell highs right now, considering the fact that they're due for some regression uh, and the fact that the strength of schedule just isn't really there down the stretch. Especially with Reinhardt too. Um, a lot of leagues are coming up on trade deadlines right now. And when trade deadlines come around, people start to hit the panic switch. They hit that panic button and they look at previous game plays. We've talked about how recency bias is incredibly, incredibly strong in, in most fantasy sports, but hockey especially. And I think Reinhardt, you could really sell them on that D. So I agree. 27% on the season is insane to score every fourth shot. I wanted to shout out one more king off the board completely, dark horse. Chilling at 20%. He's not even a player. Um, so I guess we were focusing on only players, but I just, David Reddick needs a shout out still at 20% there. Um, I know that you said that we're not focusing on that part of schedule, but I just, Cam Talbot's posted a plus 900 save percentage once in the last seven games. Riddick is just, seems like the guy right now as they need to win. Obviously keep an eye. This is going to be a start by start thing, but for teams that are in incredible need of a goalie, um, and, and that's some teams right now, maybe even teams that were riding Talbot um, for most of this year. This could help save them. And if you have that extra roster spot, it might be worth it. We're talking about one of the best defensive teams in hockey. Best power, power, yeah, penalty kill. I was about to say power kill. Um, the best penalty kill in the league and a uh, uh, fifth best in shots on goal and sixth best on goals allowed. So those are both great stats for any goalie, even when they're struggling. I just want to shout out Big Save Dave because, uh, you know, he needs it at 20% there. I was pretty, pretty mind blown. But uh, but yeah, I think uh, I think you guys nailed it with the Kings here. And if I had to shout out one guy to attack, we both we all said Byfield, um, and he's kind of a free agent. So um, yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm gonna go Fiala too with you guys there. So yeah, that's uh, that, that that's my that can't uh, do it for you. Yeah, yeah, I just need to shout out Rick because every day I watch his own percentage go down, and uh, they don't actually play till Saturday. Oh, he's been he's so been I, awesome. I imagine. Imagine no one's going to be jumping on that. And uh, he's just the one obvious candidate to help out in the goaltending category. And we don't usually see that when we get to, you know, four or five weeks left in fantasy hockey. There usually isn't much out there. So someone you could get probably off your wire. So keep an eye on Big Save Dave. You just wanted to say like, Big Save Dave four times. I did. And as uh, as a new coach comes know around, you. you know, he doesn't owe Calvert anything. Um, he doesn't owe to Riddick anything. So if Riddick is the hot hand, then he's going to roll with him. He's there to keep his job. Um, and Ellie's there to make the playoffs. So, you know, I really liked, um, 
the names that you threw out there, D, in terms of yeah, the sell high. Uh, just to go mint. to the other end of the spectrum uh, of who has the worst schedule moving forward. D's already mentioned a few of them, but the Boston Bruins, by far and away, the worst schedule moving forward. Uh, I do think, you know, with still 30 games, regardless of the uh, opposition, that David Pasternak still probably going to get his. Uh, I don't think I'd be move, looking to move him just because the schedule is difficult. Um, still 30 games. I, I think that he can be worthwhile. But yeah, Brad Marchand is the one that really sticks out to me. The Montreal Canadiens have the second hardest. I don't think that you're really going to get a whole lot. Um, but maybe you're looking to move away from somebody like Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield who have played very well. Uh, the Flames, probably not a whole lot there, but you could certainly look to move from Igor Sharangovich. It's no, you know, there's nothing to say that he's going to bring back a lot in return, but he also might not have the same level of production uh, down the stretch without Elias Lindholm. Uh, the Washington Capitals are next, probably not selling high on too many players, but maybe it's time to stop talking about buying low on Alex Ovechkin because he might not have the strength of schedule moving forward to really capitalize on what he's done. Uh, the Buffalo Sabres, there's probably a ton of guys from that team that you could be moving right now. Uh, I still think names like Tage Thompson, Jeff Skinner, Alex Tuck, Rasmus Dahlin carry a ton of weight. Uh, the schedule is difficult. They do play 31 games still, though, which is only three less than Ottawa, who has the most. So they have a lot of games, just difficult opponents. But I do think that some of those names carry a shitload of weight. Dallas Stars, obviously a ton of names there. Rupe Hintz, D already mentioned. You've got Robertson. You've got Wyatt Johnson, who's played unbelievable. Jamie Bed, Joe Pavelski, who hasn't had a great season. There's names there that you can certainly move. A couple more teams we'll touch on here. Uh, these next three all only have 18 games left in the regular season, which is the fewest. And they only have 29 games remaining all season, which is the fewest and that is the vancouver canucks who d mentioned brock besser elias person those guys can bring back a lot you've got the vegas golden knights who maybe you're not all of a sudden looking to buy low or uh yeah buy low on jack eichel while he's hurt if he's even going to be back this year they've got a bunch of names and you could probably move jonathan marsh so it's been red hot somebody like that and then the colorado avalanche obviously you're probably not that concerned about moving from nathan mckinnon and uh, Miko Rantanen and Kale McCarr, but some of their lesser names, if you can get anything for them at this point, probably worthwhile given the schedule remaining. But anyways, uh, that is going to do it for Season 9, Episode 30 of the DFO Fantasy Podcast, presented to you by our friends at Betway. And uh, D, oh yeah, you got two goalies. You got two to goalies about, right? to talk about. Oh yeah. yeah, sorry, I forgot we had a little yeah. streaming segment. So number four, that's all right, that's all right. We'll, we'll excuse you this time, because yeah, no... No full streaming segment uh, this weekend. There's no team playing Friday, Sunday. Um, so we're not going to have the usual skater rundown to go through. But there are a handful of teams going back-to-back -back Saturday to Sunday. So just a couple of starts in goal that I want to highlight that you might want to stash heading into the weekend. Uh, the St. Louis Blues are in Buffalo on Saturday and then travel to Montreal on Sunday, who are also on a back-to-back. Uh, so I think that's a pretty nice matchup for the Blues. You could probably make an argument for the other side too, and whichever one of uh, the Canadians three-headed monster will probably be close to a pick'em game. Um, but yeah, Alan Montembeau, Primo. But I'm more interested uh, on St. Louis, even on the road. I, I like Joel Hoffer here. I think it's a nice spot for him. Uh, imagine uh, Bennington will get the game in Buffalo on Saturday, which should free up Hofer, um, Hofer or Hoffer. You guys know? No. Uh, <laughs> I go back and forth. Oh. Can't get it wrong. Yeah, I think uh, it's Hoffer. Hoffer. Yeah. Hoffer. <laughs> Hoffer. Well, we went with Hoffer uh, in yeah. the early episodes when I did uh I did the the breakout or whatever. So we could, we could it. ride it. Uh we got you. Joel H <laughs> is eight percent owned, uh nine eight no in the season yes. with a nine oh nine save percentage in 18 games. So he's been solid when he's given the opportunity to play. And like I said, that's a pretty solid matchup for him. Uh but I think the bigger name, the one you're gonna want to look for first, uh, is Casey DeSmith. Uh for the Vancouver Canucks uh, seems to always find a way, even when he was in Pittsburgh onto this streaming segment, uh, he's just been a reliable goaltender and, you know, he's not spectacular, but he can get the job done in, in a, in some cushy matchups. And that's what he should have on Sunday. Vancouver's in Detroit on Saturday. I imagine that should be Cam Talbot's game. Uh, and then they traveled to Washington on Sunday. So nice little spot start for DeSmith there. He's just 12% owned, 7-3-4 and four record, 909 save percentage in 15 games. You know, the goal support's going to be there. You know, they will be, uh, sizable favorites in that one. So, uh, yeah, I think DeSmith is someone that I'm really looking to hopefully get out in front of. And Saturday, I don't imagine that you'll uh, need to find an extra game into your lineup. So if you can, if you got someone on the bench uh, that you can, uh, you know, convince yourself or talk yourself into dropping, uh, I think get out ahead of it because you know that DeSmith's own percentage is going to shoot up on Sunday once people realize uh, that he's going to 
and playing the Capitals. And again, it comes early on Sunday. So even if you're going to wait till Sunday, you got to act early. Both of these games, I think, are right around 1, 2 p.m., right? Because they want to get them yeah, one and uh, and well over with by the time the big game starts on Sunday. I'm sure we could say Super Bowl. I don't know, though. Just playing it safe. The soup, it's the Superb Owl. Yeah, there you go. That works. Uh, but yeah, Hofer to Smith, Hoffer to Smith, however you want to say it. Uh, and then if you get beat to the punch or if you're really desperate, I think, like I said, whichever whichever piece of uh, Montreal's three-headed goalie tandem, uh, it's not the worst uh, matchup either. I just rather I trust Hopper. Uh, I'm going to go with Hopper. I trust him a little bit more uh, and rather be on that side of the matchup. But I think, I think if you're late to the punch, uh, you know, it's it's probably not going to be much worse than a coin flip for the win if you go with Montreal either. So. Yeah, Hoffer, uh, four and three with a 926 save percentage in his last seven games. So he's been solid, especially as of late as well. And Casey Smith, like you said, just always gets the job done. He is the streamer guy every time, no matter what. But anyways, that is officially going to do it for Season 9, Episode 30 of the DFO Fans Podcast, presented to you by our friends at Betway. Even when it's a small streaming segment, I forget about it. See you guys back here next week. And uh, one step closer to the playoffs. Peace. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.